You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Spikenard on Jesus, and remember she said, don't give anything that doesn't cost you anything. And we use this very verse to support what Mary did. We use this same verse. He didn't look for the cheap way to please God. He wasn't going to take a gift and use that gift to please God. He was going to give God his best. Going to give God his best. Many of us can ashamedly admit to giving God our leftovers, rather than gifts of sacrifice and complete selflessness. We would think that a God who gave us everything would deserve more. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the hearts of those in the Bible who refuse to offer gifts that cost them nothing. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 24, as he continues his message, What a Mighty God We Serve. God. They're no longer relying on the Holy Spirit, but they're relying on all these sort of things and all these stuff. Come, let us entertain you. Blue smoke, mirrors. Calm down, Mark. All kinds of flashy things. Sorry. It's not what it's about. And if that's why you're here and you're looking for it, I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. That's not what God wants. God's looking for a heart. He's looking for hearts, hearts that will reach others. He's given us a promise, and the promise says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. God has given us a great promise, and that's the power behind any ministry. Zechariah had it right. Not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. That's where it goes. If I trust in God and do my part, He's going to do his part, and I got news for you. Even if I fumble at my part, he's still going to do his part. And that's all I'm trusting in is God. And he has done a mighty work, and I am just never, ever thankful to him. That's why we keep talking about the cross. That's why we keep talking about the Holy Spirit. That's why we keep talking about these things. God's doing the work. It's not mine to do. And the Lord added to the church daily those who would be saved. So David numbered the people, and in 1 Chronicles 21, 7, it says, and God was displeased with this thing, therefore he struck Israel. Now, God was angry at Israel, and he allowed Satan to do something in, in David's heart, and then God was angry at it, and he has to correct David. This is puzzlement to me, guys. I'm a little confused here, but God's in control, and the thing that David did displeased God. He didn't do it the right way. And if you look at verse 10, back in Samuel 24, look what happened. Now, verse 10. After David heard the words that were spoken to him by Joab, listen to what it says. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. 
But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done foolishly. Realizing his own sin, realizing his foolish pride, David now confesses to the Lord. And you know what? I love this about David. I love this about David, because as soon as David realizes his sin, what does he do? Confesses to the Lord. There's an example here, folks. There's an example here. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And we confess our sins to him. It's interesting here that the Hebrew word used for condemn is nakah. It's a very severe word. It means attacked or assaulted. It conveys the idea of being wounded or crippled. In other words, deep, deep inside David's inner man, he was wounded. He was crippled by what he had done. Bless you. And this is what sin should do us. When we realize our sin, we too should be crippled. We should too feel horrible when we realize what we've done and come back to the Lord. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If anyone that says he's without sin, he's a liar. We have an advocate, Christ the righteous, so we come to him. Good news is, when this usually happens, when our hearts are convicted and condemned and crippled, that's the first step to recovery. The first step to recovery is realizing that you sinned. Realizing that you made a mistake, that you fell short of the mark. You missed the mark, which is what sin basically means. That's the first step, is first step to recovery. And when this happens, some people choose to run away from God because they think he has the great big wooden spoon up there and he's going to clobber them. But if we run to God, if we run to God, if we listen to the Holy Spirit that convicts us, we'll confess our sin immediately. Because the Holy Spirit in you is convicting you. Have you ever experienced trouble in, with something in your spiritual walk? What have you done about it? Did you ignore the Spirit and keep running in the same direction? Or did you come to a dead stop and say, I'm wrong, I've sinned, and get on your knees before God? Sometimes these are very hard words to say. But David's heart was troubled. Look at 11 through 14. Now, when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him and said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before the enemies while you, they pursue you? Or shall there be three days of plague in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. Gad brings this choice. David now has a choice to make. It's up to David to make the choice. He sinned willfully. He sinned deliberately. He chose to do this. Now God says, okay, fine. Choose the punishment. He basically rules out the enemy thing. And he leaves it up to the Lord. Whether it be a famine or a plague. He basically does that. But he was greatly distressed. I would be too. He was greatly distressed. Oh my gosh, I have to do this? Oh my gosh. But in this we see a righteous God. A righteous and just God. God is not mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. God is not mocked. A God who saves and shows grace, he's a God who forgives sins and when we confess it to him, but he's also a God who allows consequences to come in because of his righteous judgment. 
We see this in his hand. Because David's was a sin of free will, a deliberate choice, God made him choose. And it's interesting here that these three punishments can be found in Deuteronomy 28 under the heading, Curses for Disobedience. I think that's very interesting. So the Lord sends a plague to Israel. Let's read 15 and 16. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time, from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. And when the anger, and when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, it is enough, now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arunana, the Jebusite. Wow. God relents. God backs off. 70,000 men die. Wow, he must have really been hot. He was ready to destroy the city of David. That angel was on a tear. He was ready to destroy the city of David. No, no, we're done here. And according to 1 Corinthians 21.16, David sees the angel. David sees this angel and basically hears this conversation. But look what happens in verse 17 of 2 Samuel. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and my father's house. I love this about David. I really do. I love this about David. I just like this. The price, Lord, is too harsh. It's too hard of a punishment, Lord. Sin carries devastation. Sin carries destruction. Sin carries horror, and it will break a person. And David is broken when he sees how horrible the results are, the consequences of his sin. He said, I've sinned. Take me out. Don't hurt these people. Take me out. And I love this because there's two other people in the Bible that have intercessed to their people like this. Remember when God was mad at the Israelites and Moses stepped in and said, blot my name out of the book of life. How about the Apostle Paul in chapter 9 of the book of Romans? When Apostle Paul, talking about his people, the Jews, says these words, would that I would be accursed for my countrymen to come to know the Lord. Yeah, wow, that's right. They were willing to give up their salvation. They were willing to give up their standing for others. For others. Wow. That's incredible. It is amazing how obedient we become after suffering a little while, though. <laughs> when we suffer terrible consequences for our sins, we become real obedient. Look at 18 and 19. <clears throat> and Gad came to David to the said to him, Go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aaronana, the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of the God, Gad, went up to the Lord and commanded. <laughs> David says, okay, what do I have to do? I'm going to do it. I'll do anything at all that the Lord wants me to do. Again, obedience after being severely having consequences comes fast. David obeys the Lord now without hesitation and without question. I think at this point in time, David would have done just about anything to get out of the hot seat. I don't know if you've ever been there. I think I have several times. Like, I got this. This is not right, Lord. I got to get out of here. I got to do something. The interesting thing is that in 1 Chronicles, the name of the threshing floor is Ornan. Why is that interesting? Because in 2 Chronicles 
3, verse 1, it tells us where the threshing floor of Ornan was located. It was located on a mountain called Moriah. Yeah, your mouth dropped the same way mine did when I read it. Mount Moriah is where Abraham took Isaac for sacrifice. Mount Moriah is the place where the temple was located. In fact, when we were in Jerusalem, we were walking underneath the wall, the western wall of the old city of Jerusalem, way, way, way down. I mean, we went down some steps, and we were down there walking along this original wall, and we got to this one point, and our guide, Andre, said, this here is bedrock. It's bedrock of Mount Moriah. And man, I put my hand right on it. I had to touch it. I was like, my gosh. It was right there, Mount Moriah. Why is that significant? Because it's the same mountain that Jesus was crucified on. Same mountain where they built the temple. That whole same mountain area is Mount Moriah. This threshing floor of David, where he's offering sacrifice. What a picture here. What a great picture we have here. Back in the Old Testament, we have this beautiful picture. It's a place of sacrifice. Let's look at 20 and 20 to 23. Now, Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And then he said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now he said to David, let my lord, the king, take up and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are the oxen for the burnt sacrifice, then threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen of wood. All these things, O kid, he said, was given to the king. And Aaronah said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. I love this. This is great. This is really cool. Threshing floor. Threshing floor is used to Sift wheat. You have the chaff and you have the wheat. And the threshing floor is where they're separated. Chaff always represents sin. Chaff always represents sin, which even makes the fact that they're on the threshing floor located at Mount Moriah even more powerful. Take away the sin, the wheat, and the chaff. Separate it the good wheat, and the sinful take away. On Mount Moriah, Jesus took away the sin of the world. He took away the chaff. And then I want to give David this threshing floor. A threshing floor, like I said, is a place where wheat and chaff are separated. David wanted to transform the place that, where the chaff was separated, and he wanted to make it a place of sacrifice, a place of worship. And it would remain a place of sacrifice and worship because the land David purchased became the site of something great. What was it? The first temple. The first temple in Jerusalem. It became the site of the first temple where the sacrifices would take place, wouldn't it? The first temple. It's the Temple Mount today. It's the Temple Mount. No temple there anymore. But the Dome of the Rock, a Muslim facility, is up there. You can't even get up there without being <laughs> investigated and looked at so severely by the Muslims who own it. You've got to wear special clothes to get up there. You can have absolutely no skin showing. 
You cannot wear anything that would say Jesus on it. Even a hat, nothing. It was severe. But it's also the place where once again a temple will be constructed. A temple will be constructed there. It'll be the third temple that's constructed there. It'll be the one that's constructed when the Antichrist makes a pact between Jerusalem and the Muslims that allows them to build a temple. And it'll be that temple that's going to be placed right there in the exact same place. The exact same place. Look at verse 24. Then the king said to Arunah, No, I will surely buy it from you for a price, for will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which that which cost me nothing? So David brought, bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. What David said should strike a chord or a bell in your heads. It really should. Because on Sunday, we studied Mary pouring out the spikenard on Jesus. And remember she said, don't give anything that doesn't cost you anything. And we use this very verse to support what Mary did. We use this same verse. He didn't look for the cheap way to please God. He wasn't going to take a gift and use that gift to please God. He was going to give God his best. Going to give God his best. Remember the story of the farmer with the two cows? The farmer had two cows. And he told the wife, I'm going to give one of those cows to the Lord. I'm going to give one of those cows to the Lord. Well, as he was nurturing two of the cows, one of the little, one of the little cows got sick and died. He came into the house, and the wife was in there, and he was all downtrodden and down, downhearted. And she says, what's wrong? And he said, Lord's cow died. We're not, David was not going to sacrifice to the Lord that which didn't cost him anything. It cost a sacrifice to the Lord. What did it cost us? Our life. We've given our life to him. He laid down his life for us. Burnt offerings were to atone for sin. Peace offerings were to enjoy fellowship with God. And David shows us the beginning to the end because his life was marked by fellowship with God. And this is what made David a man after God's own heart. So the Lord heeded their prayers. And in 1 Chronicles 21, 6, 26, it tells us that God showed his acceptance to David's sacrifice by consuming it with a fire from heaven an all-consuming fire. And God honored David's desire to be right and to fellowship with him when he answered a divine blessing from heaven. So it was, when God's children draw near to him, and we draw near to him as a father for cleansing and fellowship, he eases our pain, and he accepts that fellowship when we confess to him. He's faithful and just, it says. He eases our pain. And after the plague ceased, David consecrated the lamb to the Lord and used the place at worship. And David was allowed to worship at this place even through a time. Because why was it strange that David was allowed to worship here? The tabernacle wasn't here yet. The tabernacle still was in Gibeon. So David was allowed to worship right there, which was unheard of. As I mentioned, the lad would be one day the site of the new temple. And David would be the one who gathered all the equipment for the temple. 
David's going to go out and he's going to gather all the material for the temple. He knows he's not allowed to build the temple, but he's going to gather all the material and gather everything together and everything's good to go. It will be Solomon who gets the blessing of building the temple. So as we come to the end of 2 Samuel, if I were to ask you to name David's two greatest sins, what would they be? Bathsheba, I heard somebody say Bathsheba. That would be the first one. Pride causing this would be the second one. This would be the second one. Numbering the people. But realize this. Out of these two sins, great as they were, God built a temple. Because the one who will build the temple was the son of David and Bathsheba. Solomon. God used him to build this temple, to sit on David's throne, on the very property that David purchased, on the exact spot that David erected an altar, Solomon would build that temple that sat there. And he dedicated to the glory of God. What God did for David certainly is no excuse for sin. Paul said that in 6, 1 and 2 in Romans. Shall we sin so that grace abounds more? God forbid. Heaven forbid, because David paid a dear price for committing these sins. A dear price. Cost them dearly. I mean, look at the price that David paid for these sins. Lost the young son that was born to Bathsheba. Lost his son Ammon. Lost his son Absalom. Had the kingdom almost torn from him. And then when we start 1 Kings, David's going to lose yet another son. Adonijah cost them dearly. But knowing what God did for David does encourage us to seek his face. It does encourage us to trust in him. It does encourage us to trust in him in the good times, in the bad times, in the in-between times. It encourages us to get on our face when we sin and confess our face because he confess our sin to his face because he is faithful. It encourages us to try to have that heart like David. Read through the Psalms. Look how many times David says, Search my heart, O God. Look to see if there's anything bad in me. I open myself up before you, God. Point it out. I want to know it. Can you do that? Can you sit before God and say that? David did. You want to be a person after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart? Seek the Lord with all your heart. Even in the hard times, seek the Lord with all your heart, even when you make mistakes. Seek the Lord with all your heart continually, always, constantly. That's what made David a man after his own heart. David always wanted to fellowship with God. His passion always was towards God, even though he fell many times. He trusted in God's amazing grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Our God is a most merciful God. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.